Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm so glad you joined me today. And I'm very happy to have a returning guest, Kitty Chapel. We have had her on this show before, and she's just a phenomenal author, and she does all kinds of speaking. She does women's retreats all over the place, and, and I've heard her speak, and, and I love her books. And so I'm glad to have her today. She has a new book out that is called Friendship, and it's Friendship When It's Not Easy, When It's Easy, and When It's Not. So that is Friendship When It's Easy and when it's not. And it is quite a prolific book. I mean, and, it, it's, and the, one of the things I have to tell you I love about this book, I love quotes. And she has quotes from some of my most favorite people, like Viktor Frankl from Man's Search for Meaning. So I want to tell you a little bit about her. She's an award-winning um, nonfiction author, and she's performed as a keynote speaker for lots of, like I said, lots of women's retreats and functions for over 30 years. She's been featured on radio and television, and she has a compilation of a lot of stories that have been published, including some that have gone into Chicken Soup for the Soul and some of the Guidepost books. The one book that I read that was so moving is the one she wrote, which was her life story. And in Poland, it is under the title of I Can Forgive If I Want To, and it's translated into four languages. And I love that title. The one that's here in America is called Soaring Above the, um, the Ashes on the Wings of Forgiveness. And if you have any forgiveness issues. I mean, I don't know how you could not living on this earth and dealing with mistake-making people. But this is one of the best books on forgiveness, very compelling, that I have ever read. She has quite a tragic uh, childhood that she has overcome tremendously. And I've written uh, or read many authors about tragedy and abuse. And a lot of times it's very difficult to read, but Kitty writes it in a way that is so... Um, non-dramatic that you actually get the drama from the real story. And it's it's very interesting to read, and it's very compelling. It was hard for me to put it down. So I want to encourage you just to look her up, Kitty Chapel. It's C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L, and you will find a host of things to take advantage of. So Kitty, thank you for being here this morning. Thank you so much for inviting me. I am totally honored thank to you. be here. You are such an awesome Radio host, I did my absolute favorite. Well, thank ever. you. <laughs> I love that. Well, we have this great book, this friendship when it's easy and when it's not. And I want to first ask you, what what changed for you in your life as you as you wrote this? Because you know, when I, you and I both know from writing books, they change you. And so you might have an idea of how they're going to change you, but they usually change you in a different way. So how did this how did this book and this experience change you? Actually, the writing of it validated mm. my core beliefs. Maybe that I don't that I don't always put into practice. Right. 
But right. it, the truths it's are valid. Convicting, is it? Well, yes. see, one of the things I wrote down when I read your book, I said, this is a very convicting book. In a good way. <laughs> yes, in, a very, yes. in a very validating, but a very, like, um, centering. Like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Or I need to look at that. Or I should be working on that. Or, oh, my goodness, I hope that's not me. <laughs> I, I know. Exactly. And I often say about my writing, I probably get more out of my writing than mm-hmm. any of the readers. Absolutely. You know, the the last book that I wrote, well, not the last book, the first book I wrote, God Wants You Truly Living, Not Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. When I tell people about this book, I say, this book almost killed me. This was, I had no idea what it meant to, and the topic was is very a very deep topic, but it is hard writing books. But it was a it's a wonderful oh, well, book. Thank you. I appreciate that. I wholeheartedly recommend it. It well, is thank awesome. You. But the writing experience is different than what you think in your head. It is, you know. And when you go mm-hmm. to get it out of you and let the Lord really work through you as to what He really wants to put out, many times it's different than maybe what you thought. And you're you're absolutely right. One interesting thing that happened to me when I was on a month's tour in Poland. Mm-hmm. After my um, life story book came out, it was very interesting. I was interviewed, and in, I spoke in thirteen cities. Um, was interviewed on eight radio talk shows, interviewed by many magazine editors, publishers, um, newspaper. I was stopped in this one city. He had been interviewing me. We talked for about maybe twenty minutes. He stopped his tape recorder, and he said, Kitty, I want to say something. He said, we've been talking for only 20 minutes, but one amazing thing I've discovered about you already, I can tell just in talking with you that you really believe everything you write. What a compliment. I was stunned. I thought, doesn't... Every doesn't <laughs> no. every author believe everything that they write, <laughs> but but they don't. And I've learned that. And when I speak, and especially on the subject of forgiveness, I will have people repeat maybe what happened, and they'll say with great pride, "But I have forgiven that person." But their body language says, "I hate his guts." Exactly. So a little bit of incongruency, right? You know, and it's so interesting because you and I both know if you've been very harmed by someone, mm-hmm. that is quite a process you have to go through to be able to really forgive. And to have the freedom of forgiveness is mm-hmm. is a wonderful goal, and, and I encourage everyone to do it. But getting to that finish line, it is an arduous process to try to truly, authentically, truthfully forgive someone that has dreadfully harmed you. It is, but it's the most freeing it thing is. you can it ever is. do. And that's why I included one chapter in this friendship book about I think forgiveness. it's the last one. I think it's the last chapter. Is that right? No, the chapter 10. Because a lot of times uh, friendships are in, impacted mm-hmm. by those who have never forgiven because they maintain this victim mentality and they set you up to fail. And you have no clue. You're always seeing something that offends them. They take it the wrong way. They have to be a victim in some way. And you find yourself apologizing for something you didn't even know 
that you did or and what other, you did. And, and would otherwise not be offensive. Yes. And yes. somehow it's like this minefield that you're constantly walking through trying not to step on, right. you know, on mines that are going to explode in your face. And, and it's not something you have done. No, no. It's more in their... It's the groundwork has already yes. been laid. Exactly. Right? And you're kind of reaping... You're reaping the benefits <laughs> of of a previous relationship, right? You know, or trauma that they've had in the past. Here, that that's that is one of the hardest things. So, you know, I looked up the verse Proverbs eighteen twenty four. That's um, the one that a friend that there's a there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, mm-hmm. and talks about the man that has unreliable friends comes mm-hmm. to ruin, but there is one that sticks closer than a brother, and of course that's right. Jesus Christ, and so. I thought that verse really struck me when I when I thought, why would God call himself our friend unless God realized how much we need friends? And, you know, I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life when I said, OK, I don't I don't need friends anymore. I don't, I don't want right. I don't want to do friends anymore, you know. And um, so it's one of these things that we have to understand that that God, the Holy Spirit and Jesus are very friendly Yes. They love each other, and exactly. they get along. And, I mean, I always say to people, imagine what it would be like if the Trinity was fighting. Oh, my gosh, <laughs> if, they, if they weren't getting along with each other. Exactly. And so there's this dynamic, this heavenly dynamic that is in the heart of God about friendship. And it's more than just relationship because, you know, a lot of times we as Christians, we talk all about Christian relationships and how to be in relationship in a healthy manner. But many times we forget the whole point of relationship. The basis of of all relationships has to be some level of friendship. Absolutely. And it doesn't mean deep, always deep friendship. But there has to be a friendliness or it really can't work. Right. Exactly. So what were you going to share? A quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson. I t- I tagged that one. <laughs> I love that one. I do too. Yes. It's, he said, God evidently does not intend us all to be rich or powerful or great, but he does intend us all to be friends. Yes. I yes. love that. And it's heartbreaking when you find people that, have the intention of being friends, but they don't have the capacity to be friends. They don't know how. They don't. And so this book, you know, you have you have like 11 chapters. I mean, it's very prolific. And, um, you know, this first chapter is really about tough stuff, that friendships are, are tough. Mm-hmm. And you talk about your friend Pat, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. And I like that you used these different people. And and um, tell us about this friend, Pat, and why this was so tough, why you started the book with, with Pat. Well, actually, it friendship um, is tough stuff. Yes. It's not, friend, real friendship is not made out of fluff and fill. Right, you know? right. Um, it's one quote in there said, I, I have to have in common with a friend more than hating the same people. See, I loved that quote. That many times our friendships are about being against something right. else, and that's what makes us be together. Right, right. And it has to be way more than that. But with her, her friendship and mine, it's made of tough stuff because we've been friends far longer than a lot of you listeners have lived. <laughs> we, we have been friends for over 58 years. Oh, my. Through thick and thin. 
through death, uh, death of a maid, uh, death of children, miscarriages, uh, divorce, bitter divorce, abuse. We have been through it all uh, between the two of us. But this friendship is made of a golden cord like of steel. Wow. And in the book, I get into what is involved in that. In making up a a friendship that tough. Yes. Yes. And And that powerful. Right. I mean, time is an amazing, when you have history with people, and, and history of overcoming and enduring, mm-hmm. it's very powerful. And we didn't always agree about everything. Right. Or always get along. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. know. But we grew, and our love for each other, and respect grew for each right. other. Right. And we learned from each other. Well, this is very powerful. So, listeners, I, I hope you, that you return in this next segment with Kitty Chapel on her new book called Friendship, When It's Easy and When It's Not. If you can't listen to the show in its entirety, make sure you go to the website. It's always on that. The website is the most current show. And so this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Make sure you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening to 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk. So glad that you're joining me today, and I know you're going to really enjoy the show with Kitty Chapel, quite a prolific author. She has several books, and the newest one she has out right now is called Friendship, When It's Easy and When It's Not. And I think this is going to be an extremely helpful topic, which is one of the reasons I've asked her to also come back next week and finish up this topic, because this book that she has written has so much for us to delve into when it comes to friendships and the importance of friendship. And so, Kitty, thank you again for being with us today. And I want you to kind of share some of the statistics about friendship and the importance of friendship. I'll be glad to. Actually, I was surprised According to a review in the Public Library of Science Journal, besides the obvious emotional benefits, good friends protect your health. Mm. As much as quitting smoking and even more than exercising. I That's was am- amazing. I was amazed. And it goes on to say strong social relationships support mental health which ties into a better immune function, reduces stress, and less cardiovascular problems. I think it's amazing when you think about the biblical uh, emphasis that God has on friends and that he tells us in Proverbs 24 that he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother and that Jesus wants to be our friend. And that's in the hardwiring of his creation is the need for connectedness, the need to be seen, the need to be known, the need to be loved for who you really are, the good, bad, and the ugly, and for acceptance. Mm -hmm. And so it's amazing that science, you know, science is always validating the the, the scriptural truth. I mean, it's always finally catching up with the Bible, you know. So tell us a little bit more. Well, and those um, people of my age, we remember and love the old song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Yes, that is one of my favorite songs. I grew up with that. I love that. Yes. Well, you know, I thought of this information uh, that I read when I had a friend to call me not too terribly long ago. And we, you know, we're not one of these buddy-buddy friends that we talk every day or every week, but close enough that we 
she feels comfortable in sharing with me. She was almost incoherent. She was so upset, wanted to know if I could come over immediately. And I said, yes. I Fortunately, I was able to. When I got there, um, she was almost hyperventilating. And what had happened, there had been a family argument that had pushed her to her wit's end, dealing with dysfunctional adult children and issues regarding the grandchildren. So I sat across from this very strong woman whom I had never seen like this before and just listened. I prayed for wisdom, knowing I couldn't fix the problem, nor was she asking me to. I just let her talk, never interrupted her, holding eye contact with her and understanding. Finally, she calmed down, began to breathe easier, and said, I feel so much better with you just being here. So before leaving, I told her what a special person she is, especially to her four little grandchildren who really do live in a horrible, dysfunctional environment. And I encouraged her with a couple of comments, reminded her of the serenity prayer and the importance of not feeling responsible for things not hers to control. And I took her hand and I said gently, you need to step back and let go of this situation. You could have had a stroke. Those grandchildren need you and so do the rest of us. She hugged me long and hard and thanked me for coming. So sometimes we just need to have our negative focus broken by a caring friend who is there for us and just listens. You know, I think that's one of the hardest things for us to just to just sit and listen and to not feel like we need to problem solve. You know, and some of it We're is fixers. well, we are, and, and some of it is well intentioned. We hate mm-hmm. the person being in pain, and so we mm-hmm. want to get them out of their pain as soon as we can. Sure, and we forget sometimes how kind Jesus was when he was on the planet to just look into people's eyes, listen to what their request was, and talk to them. And many times, then he didn't talk to them. Mm-hmm. He a lot of times just sat with them, and many times God just sits with us. And we forget that the presence of a person that just cares many times is is what our soul needs more than it needs information. And that's hard for us, especially those of us that like to talk. It is. Yes, and like to fix. If we're presented with a problem, it is our earthbound duty to solve it. I know. I know. (laughs) Right or wrong. And so many times I say to people so frequently, my famous saying is, care about what they care about. One of the most loving things I can do for someone mm-hmm. is to care about what they care about mm-hmm. with them exactly. versus trying to fix it mm-hmm. or explain it or talk them out of it or tell them why they don't need to care that much about it or they're mm-hmm. making a big deal about something or they're taking something too seriously or whatever it is that we want to say. Many times the thing that lifts the person out of that is I simply care. Exactly. And there's another quote in my book about that, about Mm. how we don't have to be uh, brilliant. We don't have to be wealthy. We don't have to have all of these great things going for us to be a good friend. All we have to, all they have to know is that we care. And that is one of the hardest things because caring means I have to be present. Mm -hmm. I have to actually 
engage in your pain and not do anything about it. That's right. I just simply care about it. That's right. And that is tough. So you, ha- you have in, um, did you have something else that, I you, did. Were, that uh, you were thinking of? According to a general social survey, the number of Americans who say they have no close friends has tripled in the recent decades. Oh, that's tragic. That's terrible. And do you think that has to do with social media maybe? Uh, they mentioned that. When people are asked how many confidants they have, zero is sadly the most common response. And the article went on to say that that may seem strange in the era of Facebook, Twitter, and our unlimited digital connections. But the, quote, friends orbiting in our digital galaxy aren't the ones who really matter when it comes to our health and happiness. And many times the time that we spend on that prevents us from cultivating those friendships that really matter. Well, I think that is a really important thing to note. And we're kind of coming up on the end of this segment. So I think that's a good thought for listeners for you to have is to realize that, you know, where social media gives us this feeling that we're connecting. And I'm not against social media at all. But the, the, the issue is, Am I actually connecting heart to heart with somebody? Does someone know me? Really, not just know about me, mm-hmm. but actually know me. And and that's that's some of what we are losing, you know, in our culture pretty rapidly is the feeling of being known. And that's one of the reasons I will always have a job, you know, yes, as a therapist, you will. <laughs> because people need that face to face time that someone sees them, hears them, knows them, cares about them. You know, and and understands the trials of their life and is not judging them. That's true. So, uh, listeners, I want to make sure that you are able to hear the show in its entirety. So if you are just tuning in, we have a break that we're taking. We're going to come right back with Kitty Chapel. But you can also go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. And you can listen to the newest podcast, as well as all the podcasts in the past. Uh, You can find them on SoundCloud. Stitcher, tune in, and certainly my website. So we'll talk to you in the next hour. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. Thank you for joining me. You are in the last half of the show. If you're just tuning in and you're listening to 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk Radio, and make sure that you can hear the show in its entirety by going to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Or on any of the different podcast providers like Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud. We have all the podcasts up there as well. So we have with us today Kitty Chapel, and she is quite a prolific author and an award-winning nonfiction author, actually. She's had several books that she has authored, and she's been on radio and television as well. And she is on our show for the second time, so we are very glad to have her back. And she is talking about her new book called Friendship, When It's Easy and When It's Not. So in the last segment, we were kind of talking about these statistics, these health statistics about the power of friendship. And one of them was that Having a very close friend is actually healthier for you than even quitting smoking and exercising, has more health benefits. And um, so you and I were talking off the air a little bit, Kitty, and so there were some other statistics that you had that were very fascinating to me. This statistic um, is presented by Oxford University psychologists who said we need between three 
and five of such friends for optimal well-being. Now, this doesn't mean that we have to see this person every week or talk to them often, but people whom we care enough about that we are close enough to be confidants when we actually are together. And I think that three to five can sound kind of daunting. But when you think about, especially as adults, right? you know, that's right. a lot of, that, that would be different than when we're in high school and we go to school every day and see them every day. Sure. But, you know, I've, I want to drive home the point that, Kitty, that you're sharing, that it isn't about seeing them every day. In fact, you may only talk to them once a year. But it's the That's feeling right. that you carry with you that someone knows you, that you could call at any time and pick it right up as if you just talked to them yesterday. It's those confidants that, that are non-judging will still speak truth to you right? but are non-judgmental. Right. And those confidants that you have history with, and even if it's you know six months of history or three months of history, it's the feeling that... There's that that feeling that clicks. We click together, and it isn't just because for the last two times we've enjoyed each other. I mean, I think you talked some of it in your book that sometimes those friends that we click with immediately don't always last. Right. You know, and so I know in my life I have some very, very close friends, long-term friends that I would not have thought I would be friends with. We, We seemed very opposite you know, and so it, it's interesting that I that I think, God, you really knew what you were doing when you brought that woman into my life, that we are very good friends, even though we are very different. So sometimes we don't always know who those really long-term no. friends are going it's to a, be. It's a discovery. It is a discovery process. But the power of friendship, you know, when Jesus talks about he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother and how seriously God feels about friendship and wanting to be our friend— that tells us it's in the hardwiring of our system. Mm-hmm. And when we have science now proving the Bible yet again, right? <laughs> then science is saying you need friends. So I think this show is important to help listeners really understand what can I do to be a good friend. That's very important because many times we're selfish. Really? <laughs> I know, and, and there doesn't been, that don't you grow out of that I, or something? <laughs> hopefully, I you, wish. you just get a little. You get a little less selfish, or you get a little better at covering it up. Right, a exactly. <laughs> but I think, oh, if I just could find this friend, and and I have all of the the attributes that I want in a friend, and uh, I begin to realize I need to be working on myself. Absolutely. I need to be a good friend myself, cultivate all of the attributes that I can for myself so that when I find a friend, I will meet her expectations. Well, I think that's really powerful. And, you know, we only have about one minute left, and I'm going to race to the back of the book, okay? Because I want you, I think this will take a minute, I want you to read this. This is one of the most powerful poems because I teach people all the time about being your own best friend. So read this poem that you wrote. Oh, my goodness. I wrote this in the 80s. I have to live with myself is the title. I have to live with myself, you see, so I've got to live quite honestly. I can't be deceitful. That's taboo, having to live with myself as I do. I might could fool you for a little while, but my actions will only serve to rile an ugly unrest that will grow and grow if I don't stop. I live with me, I know. I have to live with myself, you see, so I've got to be very good to me. 
I can't afford to insult and downgrade myself for every mistake I've made. For if I do, I may start to believe that I'm no good and never achieve. I must be wise and forgive me too. For if I don't, I won't forgive you. I must respect that person I see in my mirror looking back at me. For if I accept my own reflection, I'll overlook your imperfection. If you're not all I feel you should be, I'll see that I'm not all that I could be. You know what? I have to break us here. Join us in the next segment. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia and Kitty Chapel. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and I have with me Kitty Chapel. So if you were in the last uh, segment with me, you heard her reading this poem for me that she has written. And it really has to do with being your own best friend. And I want to read you the last parts because I had to cut her off so fast because we had to go to a break. And so she left off with this part that says, Therefore, I must learn to like me too. For if I don't, I sure won't like you. I have to live with myself and so I must be good for myself to know. I must be busy, unselfish, and kind with God's golden rule ever in mind. Now, this is important. I love these last four lines. She says, I must strive to climb the mountain's height as a simple human who tries to do right. It's not so the world will approve of me, but so I can live with me peacefully. And it's beautiful. It's just, Kitty, thank you. It's such a beautiful poem. You are welcome. And it is so powerful because, you know, I'm, I'm constantly telling clients, you can't reproduce outside of yourself what you don't have inside. We can do behaviors and fake it for a while or fake it till we make it, right? Right, right. But if I don't truly have peace with me and I'm not at peace with myself, if I am hating myself, deriding myself, judging myself, have envy and strife, mm-hmm. I won't be able to hide that for very long. You're right. And if, remember, it was Jesus who said, love your neighbor as yourself. yourself. That's right. That's right. And that's one of the hardest things is to love me well. And, and I'm constantly talking with clients about this idea. You're with yourself 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can never get away from yourself. In fact, you're going to be you forever. And, exactly. and, you know, when we die and go to heaven, we're still going to be us. Mm-hmm. And God gave me that insight years ago when he said, yes, Cynthia, and you'll still be Cynthia. And I went, mm-hmm. I'm going to be Cynthia forever. Mm-hmm. I better learn to be okay with me because God is okay with me. I think the secret ingredient in liking yourself is being able to respect yourself. It, it is truly respecting yourself, but it's also forgiving self. Mm-hmm. So you can be at mm-hmm. peace. It's mm-hmm. acceptance, you know, that we're not perfect. Right. And that we're a work in progress all the time. But that's part of it. The forgiveness mm-hmm. is part of it the respect. It is huge. Yes, it Don't is. you respect people who are forgiving yes. of others? Yes. yes. And see, we do so many disrespectful things to ourselves, yes. don't we? Oh, Especially yes. the way we talk to ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, the way we deride ourselves, the way we judge ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's very disrespectful. And compare ourselves. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Yes. <laughs> And women are the worst. Yes. <laughs> we are so hard on ourselves and what we think we should be, could be, would be, ought to be. Right. Yes. So what do you have for us here? Because there's some more statistics I like. Uh, that was the last of the statistics. 
um, next, we were, I was thinking about going on to the chapter. A lot of people tell me which chapters they like best in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, they usually say, it's hard, but I really like this one. One of them is Chapter 4, entitled Paved with What?, which is a takeoff from the old saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And I ask the question, how many times have you thought about doing something kind for someone but didn't do it? And see, we can apply this to ourselves as well. Yes. That I have good intentions toward myself, but do I do them? Exactly. And so if I don't do them with me, I have a hard time doing it with you. That's right. Yes. So it should be happening simultaneously. You're, you're right. Because sometimes when I do it for you, it helps me do it for myself. Sometimes exactly. if I do it for myself, I'm better able to do it for you. Mm-hmm. You got it. So it's kind of so. Tell us more about this chapter because this was a really good chapter. Thank you. Um, we never forget a kindness from someone when we were down and we needed it absolutely the most, do we? We know how it feels to be on the receiving end. So why don't we carry through with our good intentions? And I'm sure the most common answer is the one I always used: I'm just too busy. Until I realized that I had received special kindnesses from people far busier than I. So what was my problem? I discovered it was actually because I had a P-slash-U handicap. Procrastination, which usually was caused by unpreparedness, not unconcern. I just wasn't prepared to carry out that wonderful, thoughtful deed that I thought about doing. So I decided the only way to carry through with my good intentions was to adopt the Boy Scouts motto, (laughs) be prepared. (laughs) So this is what I did. That's good. (laughs) I bought some manila folders. I'm a great lover of manila folders. Labeled them uh, beginning with anniversary, baby showers, birthdays, clear through sympathy, thank you, and wedding. And I put them in a cardboard box. I started buying greeting cards when they were on sale, and sometimes my grocery money was limited, so I could only buy one or two, but I gradually built up my inventory. And, of course, now today there are dollar stores, and you can buy lots of lovely cards. After buying, uh, and I even found them sometimes at thrift stores, Uh, After buying a metal filing cabinet at the thrift store for $12, and I am a thrift store junkie, (laughs) I discarded my cardboard box and now use an entire drawer just for greeting cards. This has helped me greatly to be prepared for thoughtfulness that but that doesn't mean I always get my birthday cards mailed on time, but... I'm even prepared for that because the fattest folder in my drawer is the one labeled belated birthday cards. <laughs> but there, there's a lot of other tips in that chapter on how to be a more thoughtful. Well, I think parent. some of what is really amazing. You know, I know that I love, I love cards. And greeting cards are still obviously a huge business because they're, they're quite expensive. Some yes. of them are like works of art, right? Yes. And so... I think that that's a, a wonderful practice to have because it does cause you then to have moments where you can really think about that person, pray for that person. I always also think that I have found for me, it's I get traveling in time. And so mm-hmm. I pass that moment where, oh, I'm like a couple moments past it and I go, I should have said that to them. 
Yes. And what I found is if I just stop right in that moment mm-hmm. and text them and say, you know what? Mm-hmm. I should have said this when you, we were face to face. I thought about it and we kept moving on in the conversation and I should have told you. And so I, I do some of those things that, that help me to just retrace my steps some. And say, I can always go back in time. People always appreciate it. You're right. Always. Absolutely. They don't ever say, well, you should have told me then. Right. I have not had one person say that to me. All I've had people say to me is, thank you. That really helps. It does. And so it helps me not to have the enemy of my soul condemn me for, well, you missed that opportunity. I just right. make a new opportunity. Absolutely. And I just follow back up with it. And I say, hey, you know what? This moment may have passed for you, but this is what I was thinking, and I should have said it when I was there. Or I thought about this a week later. I just wanted to follow up with you and say, hey, I had another thought about that event or that situation or just a wonderful thought about Mm -hmm. you. I was driving, and I had a wonderful memory of you, and I just thought you should know. And so it's so easy to do, and especially with texting. I can just text it really fast and say, hey, just wanted you to have a nice day, and I was thinking about you, and I remembered this moment, and you were so funny, and you picked up my day. I love that. Any of those kinds of things that help me to not always feel like, well, the moment was lost, and I should have done it, and I guess it's gone. I just make it happen again. And how about you, when you're talking with someone, um, briefly thought, Wow, they look good today. I love her hair yes, like this. Yes. But, and then later you think, I should have told her that. Right, right. And so I've done that. I've talked with them later. I, mi- I should have told you. Right. You looked gorgeous right. that day. Or the conversation took a totally different direction. Yes. So I couldn't say it, you but I want you to know. I want you yes. to know. Yes. And I think that is so powerful. As you and I talked about in the first two segments of the show, the need for that connection, and it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be every day. Mm-hmm. It can be twice a year if you're highly connected to the person. But it's, mm-hmm. it's the letting the person know that they are seen and thought of mm-hmm. and known, even if I don't talk to you every day. Even if it's only, you know, if, I'm, if I text you or throw a note in the mail or email right. you really quickly or just say, hey, I had a thought of you or I prayed for you and this is what mm-hmm. I prayed for you today. Mm-hmm. And it takes 30 seconds. I know but it. But it is, time is such this strange thing. It's kind of like, oh, I don't want to stop the momentum of what I'm right. doing to, right. to kind of like pull off the little highway I'm on, you know, mm-hmm. and do this little task and then get back on. And I have found that if I practice that discipline of just saying, mm-hmm. I just need to pull over for a minute and take care of that. Because if it's in my mind and it's laid on my heart, right, it must be important. You know, I'd like to share something quickly. I remember one time moving to uh, a town, and I felt so lonely, not ever seeing a familiar face uh, walking down the street. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to concentrate on giving to other people, people that I don't even know. And I decided to challenge myself with the idea, the goal of Every day, causing one person to be thankful that I was born. I love that. And so I was walking into a grocery store that very day, and there was this lady. She had beautiful white hair, and she was outside with her walker and and with the bags of groceries, looking at her watch, obviously waiting for someone. And her her she had brow, furrowed brow on her face, and you could tell she was really feeling frustrated. 
And I stopped and I said, excuse me, I just must tell you, that pink sweater compliments your hair. You look so beautiful. Your hair is such a beautiful white. And you just look so lovely in that pink sweater. Her face lit up. And I went into the store and I came back out just for a quick item. She was still beaming and she smiled and waved at me when I went by. And, you know, you bring up a really interesting point because sometimes when we look at people that, that look beautiful to us maybe, Sometimes we might think, oh, well, they, people tell them all the time, Mm-mm. so why should I tell them? Yeah. And we need to stop that voice and say, if it came to my mind, it must need to be said. Yes. Instead of me analyzing the whole thing, mm-hmm. because we don't know what goes on in that, that person's life. Mm-hmm. Maybe they hear it all the time, but they need to hear it that moment. And they Who may knows? not believe it. Exactly. They may hear it all the yes. time and never believe it. Yes. So we have two minutes left in this show. And I'm so thankful that you're here. And I'm so glad that you're coming back next week. Thank you. So, listeners, I want to make sure that you listen next week. We're going to do part two of this book on friendship. And just kind of give the the listeners a little teaser, because we are going to talk about this famous chapter of the TTMS. Yes. (laughs) Talk too much syndrome. Right. (laughs) So give them a little teaser about that chapter. Well, that, that... Originally, I had planned on that being a book, and I finally, I realized, though, when it came time to finish up this this book, I thought this would be a perfect chapter to include in a friendship book, because uh, the problems of uh, friends talking too much is universal uh, with men and women. We'd like to think that it's just the women, but it's not. (laughs) But anyway, we're going to be covering that chapter in quite a bit of depth, and I think you will love it. I think, it, you know, it was really fascinating to read it, and I love the fact that you did the survey. Yes. And what the survey showed, and that people were so honest with you, it's really amazing that they that they did this whole big survey project, this research project, that you, you took all this this information and you were able to really conceptualize it. So it's it's a really nice chapter. I really like it. So, Kitty, thank you so much. And we look forward to having you back next week. I can't wait. Good. And listeners, make sure that if you have not been able to listen to the show in its entirety, you can visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. You can find all the um, shows, the podcasts on SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, and certainly my website. And if you need a keynote speaker, please contact me through the website. And have a great week. God bless you. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during this show are given as a way to teach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate or spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, You can hear a replay at any time at faithtalk1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ.